volume levels on this thing. You have to crank VHS right up, so mm. you so you can hear a buzz. Oh, you can hear the buzz. Because otherwise, because the the volume's just a lot lower on VHS. It's not as it's not like punchy like a Blu-ray or anything like. It's, yeah. If, but if but I, I did notice something old like old sound mixes for like video like video mm. they're like mixed so differently so you can actually hear what you're supposed to hear that the dialogue is a lot clearer yeah like volume levels it's because there's nice booming going on in it you know like mm. big booms and stuff and loud music yeah it doesn't really happen on on a vhs so you can always hear the dialogue which is a good thing really because they're all they're yeah all... but a bit of hiss and stuff but like they're all mixed just for stereo isn't it so you mm. have to try and get as much going Okay. Go straight into it. Oh, go right straight to the movie. Okay. <laughs> no trailers. It's a shame. I always like the trailers. There might be trailers after the film. Sometimes at the end of the. Uh, the yeah, it's like saying you, you like what you see, maybe, and watch the rest. <laughs> Boys. Boys. Stop watching that trash! One man's trash is another man's torture. Starring Johan Chappal as the inflictor of pain and Edward Harvey as the victim. From Studio Enigmatic comes the trash tapes. Everyone, and welcome to now the fourth episode of the Trash Tape from One Man's Trash. It's another man's torture. And back here now in the realm and the lair of Edward Harvey, my victim. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I'm feeling quite uh, energized after Jesse's story. <laughs> You're getting already you've already getting into the zone, aren't yeah, you? I'm just really, really like enjoyed it. It's, it's a great I, I like it. I like it. Good, good. And now, and myself, and host, Johan Chappell, who is the inflictor of pain, and just by that little inkling alone, you might already have a little idea of what we're going to be talking about today. And this movie is sort of infamous in its own circle, and it's yeah. a movie from a big franchise, because we did want to talk about this at some point. So this is basically Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. And he is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! I'm in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? How? Daddy can't help you now. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! Jesse, fight him! Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. You are all my children now. Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> so you're already you're quite excited about this. Well, t- tell me, tell me what you think of the movie. Uh, well, when I f- I first saw the movie, uh, I was like any kid, 
back in the day, mm. you kind of like you often see horror movies, like notorious horror movies or famous horror movies, like before you should really, like, mm. at a young age. So like I saw this movie when I was really young, like in, I think in sort of secondary school, maybe like in the early years of secondary school. Um, so I must have been like uh, about sort of maybe fourteen or something like that, mm. or maybe maybe a little bit younger, and. Um, yeah, and like I saw, I saw the the first and the second movie sort of yeah. like around about the same time, like on mm. on tape. Yeah, and um, obviously I loved the first one. It scared the hell out of me that back then. Yeah, and then the second one, I've still found that scary as well. But I didn't necessarily think it was a you know bad movie as people mm. have called it nowadays. Um, mm. I, I enjoyed it back then, uh, but I just didn't enjoy it as much as the original. That's that's. I think it's interesting how this movie's got a bad rep. Mm. And what's interesting about this film is just going through all... There is a lot of trivia in this movie. And the reason why there's a lot of trivia is because there is so much to analyse in this film. And I'm not talking about because it's garbage. Because this is probably a first for the trash tapes, to be honest. This movie isn't terrible. No. And I think the reason why we picked it is because it's been known in its own circle as being the worst of the franchise. Mm. There is a lot to unpack in that movie. Definitely. Which I can definitely say one thing for sure. I'm not entirely sure if it was intentional. I mean, the, the, as the director always denied now, the, this is subtext. A, the subtext, yeah. and this is what's interesting about it. So let's talk about it. Let's break this down first. Mm. So, right. Uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street uh, came out, I believe, 1984, right? Yeah. So Freddy's Nightmare came about two years later. Uh, it, uh, it came out a year later, right? Freddy's Revenge. Freddy's Revenge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> Freddy's Nightmare. Freddy's Nightmare Revenge. You know, basically, this one came a year later, right? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is that in the, in the realm of the fans and even in the realm of some of their own filmmakers involved in the series, mm. this movie is considered out of canon. Mm. So, in other words, even though it falls on the timeline, is never referred to in, in any of the other sequels ever again. No. It's its own little bubble. Yeah. And you know how, for example, like, in the other sequels, like, you know, the third one, they went back to Nancy, right? Yeah. In the fourth one, they had a new protagonist that lingered on somewhere with Nancy. And then he had the fifth one, which was, like, was that Dream Child? Fifth one? It's yeah. the one with a pregnant woman? You know? Yeah, you got uh, Dream... Yeah, Dream, dream Trial. What was the fourth one called? I can't remember. Dream something. Dream Warriors, the third one. Yes. Then you got Dream... Child. That's the fifth one. Uh, there's what's the fourth one? There's dream. Some. There's another one. There's two that that are dead similar in titles. Right. Um, dream Master. That's it. Yeah. That's the so is up. that the? That's the fourth one. Yeah. That's the fourth one. Right? And that's the that's the one that again had recurring characters. And this is an interesting fact, right? Mm. Um, other than the second one, mm. every other sequel to some capacity has a connection to us either a character or something else in within the own original franchise. So one and three obviously had Nancy, yeah. right? Uh, four, five, four and five were interlinked. Well, this one refers to Nancy. Yeah, but never directly. No. The movie starts off technically five years after the first movie, mm. which the movie, even though it was launched in 1984, was supposed to be set in 1981, right? So five years later, 1986, um, basically this new family move into Nancy's home, mm. right? Uh, which stars, uh, which which has a, which is, it has a, a really mom, like really mom gene mom. You've got the dad who's like a total dweeb. You've got the daughter who's eating at the very beginning of the movie, Fu Meng Chu's, <laughs> which 
What kind of cereal is that? It's so weird. Like, uh, the family are pretty much like a 50s kind of... Totally. ...family, aren't they? 50s TV show family. Like, you got the clean-cut parents. Yeah. And, like, the, the, the stay-at-home mum... And the working dad type of thing. Totally. And then Jesse comes in the room. <laughs> now, Jesse, now this is where, and this is where all these interesting things about this movie kick in, right? So Jesse, uh, who's played by Mark Patton, right? Yeah. Now, okay, I have to, okay, this, is where, this one actually is going to have to require a bit of backstory in order to get into it. So here's a little bit of fact. Um, now, we've been rambling on about the subtext. Let's just get right to the balls of it. <laughs> okay, now... Um, Literally in one scene. God's sake, just balls in the face everywhere. And I'm not mean as a euphemism. The subtext is that there is clearly throughout the entire movie a sense of homoeroticism. Mm. And we've been fighting the entire time whether or not the movie knows it. Yeah. Here's the fact. Uh, David uh, David Chaston, mm. who was the, uh, the scriptwriter, actually deliberately wrote the screenplay with the homoerotic subtext. Right. right. So the screenwriter did write it with t- context, right? A hundred percent. The director had no idea it was homoerotic subtext. <laughs> so So that's why he's denying it, because he's like he didn't intend it to be that way. Not only that, I don't think he knew when he was when he was filming it that it was supposed to be homoerotic subtext. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is why the movie is so confusing as to whether or not it is, in this case, a homoerotic sort of coming out allegory. Yeah. Or the battle of the writer and the director, isn't it? The director had did not see this as a as a as an LGBT movie, while the screenwriter definitely did. And what's interesting is looking at the fact as well. Robert England knew this as well. Yeah, because I've I've heard, I looked uh, I read an article about this movie, and he wanted to push it further in exactly. certain scenes. Yes, but they the actor felt uncomfortable apparently or something like in certain scenes. Mm. Like, there's one scene where he, where he early on when Freddie emerges and he he sort of like puts his finger around like his, his claw around his mouth he wanted to actually put the claw into his mouth yeah but the actor was that uh, was like nah i don't really want it want, want to do that or something yeah. so he, he, england just kind of went okay then don't worry all right no it's fine yeah. the thing is it's if maybe this is an interesting thing it's maybe is because it was so 80s as well and this is what's interesting about it it's so 80s that movie that it blended the line between homoeroticism what was considered to be 80s machoism mm. because some of it's really fucking macho. Yeah. And some of it's really, really gay, right? Now, the thing is, there was a completely different idea for the second movie. Mm. That was, there was a script for the second film, which was going to have Nancy back. But the script never gone beyond the primary phase. But it was, apparently it was very convoluted. It didn't know how to going to write it in. It didn't know how to explain it. Um, and it was originally a first sort of draft phase kind of thing. I mean, that would, if, if they... If they had that title, it mm. would make sense if if it was Nancy to be called Freddy's Revenge. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it made no now, sense. Now it seems to be like, oh, it's, it's revenge against kids in general. <laughs> like, <laughs> not like Nancy or the people who, like... It's just in general, yeah. like, because uh, I kill kids and uh, in general, uh, you know, they, you know, I'm having my revenge. But, like... Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's vague, isn't it? It's like, vague as all fuck, right? Yeah. It's vague as all fuck, right? The original story was going to be this, that uh, Heather Langkamp, who was supposed to be, who plays Nancy, right, she was supposed to be coming back mm. um, to sort of start to... Basically, she was originally going to be a teacher in the high school and she was going to be starting out and noticing that 
school kids are going missing again. And knowing that she already is a step up would have already had another confrontation with Freddy in the high school. So it would have been a full, like, high school, like, think of Breakfast Club meet Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Which sounds awesome. <laughs> but it never went through the original phase, which was really, really annoying. Okay. Because when because Nancy comes back in the third one, yes, I can't remember what what her job is. She is she's actually a psychiatrist whose focus is on dreams. Right. Okay. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. But here's the thing. According to IMDb, it says rather than continue the story of the of using Nancy, the movie focused on the new residences, thinking that have making wanting originally to have these installments to be owned separate things. Yeah. So they wanted it to feel like. But then again, this is what happened the last time round when they did something with this, when they tried to do uh, Halloween 3. Mm. And they tried to do their own separate thing. And while Season of the Witch is awesome in its own thing, it's not a Halloween movie. No. It's awesome in its own way, but it's not that. So they but, wanted to do that originally. But I suppose that, but this is the thing, though, but it's, it is sort of standing alone a little bit, but it has got Freddy in it. It's like, yeah. if you, I mean, in the, the third uh, Halloween, it didn't have Michael Myers. That's so. true. Yeah. But that's something. But so the idea mm. was is that the, she was she was going to come back in the second one, but then it's decided to go on this wholly different route, mm. uh, which is why the second one's considered almost its own entity and is no longer canon. Right. <laughs> Jesse's now getting weird nightmares, and we start off with this nightmare first of all of him on a bus looking really dweebish. Yeah, <laughs> very. Like he's got this. I think he's. I'm pretty sure he's got like a a side parting slicked yeah. right down. It's like and the, he's, he just looks a bit nerdy, a bit geeky, and he's it, at the back of the bus on his own. It's like this proper nerd emo kid sitting in the corner, just going like, it's like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm all alone and quiet. And then gets, and everyone's getting off the school bus, driven by Robert England. Yeah. Which is uh, like a little, I'm not sure whether that's a cameo or foreshadowing. We don't know. And then all go out, and other, so it's only him. And these two other, like, bimbo girls... Yeah. ...who we never get to know the name of anyway... ...who just suddenly just go off fucking road... <laughs> ...and end up what literally seems to be a lava crater. Yeah, and it's the bus is, like, just teetering on a bit of rock... ...in the yeah. middle of this big canyon of fire. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's like a metal video or something. <laughs> it's something out of Judas Priest. <laughs> Uh-oh. We're going off-road! <laughs> It's a shortcut. <laughs> you see, because it, well, as it's on VHS, yeah, it's it's harder to tell that that was Freddy, like mm. in, the, in the driving the bus. But yeah. I reckon if you watched it in the high definition, it's like, no, it's, it's just it's, it's just like just a guy in a wig. Well, plus I, I suppose everyone now knows what he looks like in real life, don't yeah. they? But it wasn't as shown on the media at the time. Yeah. I remember actually that the, the bus ends up. Like teetering on. Yeah, I remember this bit. So we got, so we got a little emo kid in the back, and these two prep girls about to be toppled over what looks like a volcano. Because you know, because, okay, the bus just got electrocuted and nothing's happened. When, when a field trip goes wrong, never take the wrong turn. Here he is, is Fred. Yeah. At this time, he was still scary, Freddy, wasn't he? He wasn't like jokey, Freddy. Yeah, I don't think he was. No, he was still. He's still scary, Freddy. <laughs> when did the transition happen? When did he start becoming a bit more funnier? After the third one, because yeah. the third one had all the puns in it. Yeah. Ooh. You're ruining the upholstery. 
Nice max cut there. Very good. <laughs> Mommy, why can't you just wake up like everybody else? <laughs> well, honey, he's alright. He's just... He's just having a bad dream. That is... Well... <laughs> and at that point, Freddy is like, now he comes back and goes, ah, and goes for the slash, which then cuts to them in the kitchen, cuts to the family in the kitchen, slight where the mum's just cutting tomatoes. Just yeah. because... And then this is where we kind of knew where if there was supposed to be homoerotic subtext, it's very obvious, because... Jesse screams like a banshee. Yeah, and you see the family downstairs. You hear him upstairs. You see the family downstairs, and they're just like, oh, it's a bit awkward. And they're kind of uh, just like just paused a, for ages. It's like, like oh, he's, having, oh, he's just having a bad dream. Yeah. It's all, it's all. It's they never a- mention it. They just <laughs> they react to it in a really awkward, <laughs> silent way. And what's funny is like they do it almost in a fashion like, oh, he's, he's, he's always about the dramatics. Uh, he does this all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's such a drama queen. Oh, ridiculous. Because if, let's say, you know, if I, if, you know, let's say I'm downstairs and let's say you're upstairs and you scream like a fucking banshee. I'm not going to, the moment you come downstairs, I'm not going to suddenly go like, yeah, you're right, love. It's like, it's, just, it's like, come on! Something really horrible happened. You know, be good parents. It's, uh, the only thing I can think of is, it, it, like you say, it's routine. It's happened so many times. It's like, oh, right. oh, he's awake. <laughs> oh, he's awake. I'm in those funny dreams again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, leave him. He's just being overdramatic. He stubbed his toe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so he goes down and that's when we're introduced to Jesse the first time around properly and Jesse's got the Je- this is the thing with Jesse and this is how which is why we always think throughout there is some homoerotic subtext because he is not passing himself off like at all to be honest as being hetero in fact he's sort of just just it's it's very difficult to explain but there's small mannerisms that wouldn't be passed off as anything other than not hetero mm. um you know, sort so, so of mannerism, little lisps and little things like that, which the thing is, the movie is not pointing out, mm. but we notice, but the movie is not saying anything about that. Yeah. Obviously, in the script, it definitely would have said something like that. Mm. Obviously, hiring or hiring him an openly gay actor is something that adds to the mix. Although, interesting factoid, uh, there are some other people who are interested who are going to play Jesse. Do you want to hear the names? Some of, okay. these are, some of these are quite interesting. Well, uh, like known people, known actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, right. this, okay, so <clears throat> Michael J. Fox was considered for the role. All right, okay. but he was unable due to his commitment, due to his commitment because he was doing Teen Wolf and Back to the Future at the time. Yeah. So it, <laughs> Michael J. Fox in that one. It would have. It. I think it would have like uh, made even more money because <laughs> of, of Michael J. Fox, but like. And that would be crazy, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think he would have played for. He would have played the homoerotic undertones quite well. No, I mean, I mean, Michael J. Fox uh, in the in the eighties was like, the shit. Yeah, and he was a proper heartthrob as well. Yeah, and uh, he was. He wouldn't. I, I don't know. I think it would be very confused, even more confusing if he was. If he, yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well. Like, it w- I think so. In terms of like the. the the, the protagonist. Okay, here's three yeah. more. There's three more who auditioned for the role. Mm. And some of these, you have no idea. It would have been mind-boggling if they picked the role, right? Do you know how the very first one introduced us to the introduced the world to Johnny Depp, right? Mm. This movie would have introduced us to quite a few people. Like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Brad Pitt, 
John Stamos. All right. And Christian Slater all auditioned for the role of Jesse. Right. Well, and just didn't get it. They just, they, just didn't, they just didn't get it. Yeah. But fucking Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, he was only played bit parts, but never like a big role. So this mm. would have been his big role, playing a slightly homoerotic uh, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, God. Murderer, that, really. But yes. Yeah, get, yeah, openly sexually provocative murderer. Um, but that's just really fascinating. Um, so, yeah, all these people would have played the part. But so having Jess, having uh, Mark Patton, who is an openly gay actor, I think it makes sense in the original idea of the script, mm. right? And, he d- and be honest, can I say, you know how we were looking originally for the movie Who Was the Worst Actor? Mm. I actually think Jesse's the best actor in the whole movie. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, he has... A really complicated role to play. Yeah. Like, he has to play, like, the timid self. He has to play a man literally losing his mind and also doing an imitation of Freddy Krueger all at the same time. Yeah. And also, being having a subtle... Playing a performance that has homoerotic undertones, but by a director who has no idea the movie has homoerotic undertones, <laughs> but still showing some of it, but still showing restraint... It's real. Oh, it? It's great that you uh, that you told me that though because it's like it, it, it does make so much more sense. Now. It makes far more sense as a movie yeah. if it was if it was clearly a gay allegory. Yeah. Um. But no, it's fucking ridiculous. So we're introduced to Jesse, and then Jesse is um, sort of introduced as sort of like this kid who's a little troubled and still not settling in properly from moving into Nancy's house. Right. Mm. Uh. We go to the high school. And the first shot is literally going to the high school is um, they're all just, like, playing, like, like I think, baseball or something. And yeah. we're introduced to the menagerie of short shorts <laughs> and bright colours. There's so much red in this movie. because of, like, the whole, you know, uh, Freddy Krueger thing with the mm. red on the sweater. But there's not much green. It's, like, it's mainly just red everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, vibrantly red. Loads of people wearing bright red. Shorts, and we were watching in VHS, so the the red was really popping out. That's the a, this is something we also have to mention as well. This is the first time we've actually saw something on the trash tapes entirely on VHS. Yeah, which is, which means that the last three episodes were a lie; <laughs> they were not tapes. Yeah, but it, they're movies of that kind of era where you would assume it would be taped. Totally on tape, yeah. like you could totally got it on Blockbuster. Mm. Oh fuck, Blockbuster. Yeah. Oh, God, that's a relic. The funny thing is that people... I loved Blockbuster Video. So did I! I loved it! Used to My family used to go uh, round to the Blockbuster close to ours, and once a week we rent out a movie and a video game, once a week. Yeah. It was a fun fucking time for me. Like, what movie we got to watch today? Game the VHS tapes, and they're always like... My dad would always get, like, the trashiest sort of, like, late 90s sort of action flick, and my mum's like, why the hell are we watching this? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But it's like, it's those kind of days are so gone now because, like, when you have... Now it's all a lot of, sort of streaming. You mm. choose what you want to watch. But back, back in the day, you'd either watch what was on TV, just yeah. watch it because it's on, or you rent a movie and everyone just would watch that movie because that's all you've got. Like, mm. it's the one you chose in the end and, like, yeah, you yeah. compromise and you just watch that. Yeah. Now everyone just watches exactly what they want and you don't get that whole thing, you know. Yeah, you get all that kind of... Yeah, it's a shame, really, because mm. now it's so much easy. It's so easy to just yeah. watch anything now that you don't get. You miss the bit by just going into the shop mm. and just browse and figure out they have it. And when you do realize they have, they have Mortal Kombat three on Sega Mega Drive. You go like, oh my god, I'm getting it to the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know. I, I don't. I don't know. If I've told you this yet, but 
in in the uh, in the little town where I live down the road, they've still you can still rent DVDs. Nice. There's, yeah, there's a little place that's. It's actually they had they used to, I think they used to be a video shop, mm-hmm. but they had to move with the times because that wasn't like. Uh, as popular anymore, so it's kind of like it's a cafe now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it yeah, also, yeah. but it also has a little bit of like a section where with DVDs, oh, and you awesome. can go and rent them out. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's it's cool that they kept that. You know, they they didn't kind of just be com, com, just get rid of it and just can be a cafe. We just miss mm. video stores, basically. We miss yeah. good old fashioned video rental stores. Mm. So if there's actually any more any of them out there, it would be really nice to hear from you because I bet you there's still some floating around. Yeah, because like, the thing is, VHS is very underground now. Mm. It's, it's got a massive underground following. Yeah, uh, and as collectors will pay so much for for rare tapes and stuff. Yeah. And and it's it's massive, you know, but it's just mm. it's not talked about as much as it's, it's definitely not mainstream anyway. So here we are, basically they're out they're out of the baseball field, they're playing around kind of thing, and we realise Jesse can't play sports well, um, and gets hit right in the head. And this is where we introduce to what we believe is supposed to be his bromance, mm. uh, which what was his name exactly again? Because we remembered him, um, Grady, Grady, Grady. Yeah. Fucking Grady. Grady. Yeah, it's Grady. Yeah. Fucking Grady. Oh, yeah. Grady is... Now, Grady, right, he is a proper jock, full-blown jock, but clearly has a bit of a thing going, right? Like, he's got a bit of a crush on Jesse, but Jesse definitely seems to have some kind of crush on him. Yeah. Like, they seem to be best buds, but by circumstance, because at the beginning beginning of the movie, it doesn't look like they like each other, even know each other. Right, no. and then they're forced to do sit-ups together, talking about how possible, how how much of a queer the coach is. Yeah, um, you know, and just like, and then just insulting each other, and then he just goes like, and I think Jesse at one point goes and says like, "Are you mocking me?" He's like, is it, "What do you have a problem with me?" He's like, "No, man, I'm just shooting the, sh- I'm just shooting the shit," and just like, yeah. keeps doing, and it, keeps it, doing it's, it is literally like it feels like. Uh, pulling pigtails in the playground, kind of that that, yeah. that bullying way. I actually really like you, but I don't I don't understand my feelings, so I'm kind of just going to push you around. And exactly, stuff, right? it totally feels like <laughs> oh, I'm totally bullying you. That's because I secretly want you. It's yeah. that. It's so obvious as well. Like mm. at least from Jesse's point of view, it's so obvious that there is some level there, right? Yeah. Everything's so, everything's uh, so saturated on the edge. I know, right? <laughs> the colours. I kind of like it. I like that those colours popping. You know, like I think it's the colour red really punches out. I think it's done to compensate for the fact that it isn't really like sharp. Yeah. So because you can't see it really sharply, it's good to just have these bright in-your-face colours. But then again, I think this entire movie's got nothing but bright colours. What the hell? So you get any at least? It's funny, you know, when it like uh, you compare actual 80s movies to like yeah. stuff that references the 80s like Stranger Things like yeah. it's like in, if you go back and you actually watch 80s movies like this it's not as like not everyone's in fully 80s stuff like clothing wise like, it's yeah. like you get the you get like the, the, the best friend that's kind of like got like looking like Cindy Lauper like, over the top and like, yeah. but not everyone is fully like Fully 80s. Exactly. It's almost like they have to in, in, in really the show it off, don't they? they Although they overcompensate over a bit sometimes, though. It's like it's a bit on the nose, isn't it? Like it's like it is the 80s. Everyone wore this, and they didn't. But now we thought anyone we just missed those two handsome young bucking lads wrestling to the ground. <laughs> 
going nuts first. <laughs> yeah, we're going to count the uh, the homoerotic references, right? If, or subtext. If we, we'd be here all day. We yeah. missed about. We we technically must have seen about three. God, just imagine if it was a drinking game of that. It's like, but basically, basically looking at something, how slightly gay it is. Yeah. <laughs> just drink it. There you go. There you go. That's another one. But this is where, by around this point in time, we're now introduced to Jesse's girlfriend, Lisa. Yeah. Now, Jesse's girlfriend, here's an interesting thing. Uh, it's played by Kim Myers. Now, Kim Myers was originally, was originally picked as Lisa... For two reasons. Uh, one, the was Mark Patton himself actually insisted the casting director that he actually wanted it. So Mark Patton actually said, I want Kim, mm. which is interesting, which I didn't know she even had that power. He fucking did it. And secondly, right, he was originally hired. She was originally hired because she looks a little bit like a young Meryl Streep. She does. I, I noticed that, actually. Mm. Um, I didn't think I didn't think I didn't. When we were watching it, I didn't think of anything of it in terms of like to mention it then. Yeah. But now you now you mention it, mm. uh, it she definitely has got a little bit of a thing going on in that in that department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's just something there. So, yeah. so, but it's like out of all the things, is were you trying to trick the audience? Maybe like, oh, we have Mel Streep here. It's, just, it's like no, we don't have. But we have someone who looks a hell of a lot like her. Yeah. So now, what do you think of the Lisa character? Um. I don't know. I don't. I haven't really got a massive opinion about it. It's like, um, although when we were watching it, you were saying that she just seemed like more like the hero of the story. Like, it feels like it yeah. because Jesse. This is what happens as we go along. That Jesse seems to Jesse is having more bad dreams as mm. usual. Is having more bad dreams and is getting reintroduced to now Freddie, but now a bit more on the nose, right? At one point, he goes down to like the sees Freddie in the basement mm. and all that kind of stuff. And this is when we're first probably introduced to Freddie. Where it's my favorite bit. It's one of my favorite bits. We goes in. It's like it's like Daddy, Daddy. Like trying to open the door, and then Freddie's right there. Daddy can't save you now. <laughs> uh, and says like, "You have the body." I have the brains. And he pulls his scalp scalp open to see a throbbing brain. And that is a really, really cool sequence. Yeah. Again, undercut. That's the scene where um, I was telling you about, like, Freddy wanted to kind of put the claw in the mouth because he says something like... be seductive, yeah. He says something like, we need each other. We need each other. You and I... We've got some unfinished business. It's really... Thinking about those lines as well, there is a really strong sort of, like, obvious, like, innuendo in this entire thing. Yeah. It's like, Daddy can save you now. You and I have got some unfinished business. And playing on, like, the... Probably what was in the original script, like, Freddie is sort of representing uh, that fear of, like, coming out and stuff because he's yeah. being sexual towards it. Like, into... It's, yeah. it's, it's like, overtly... Subtle. It's being, like... Yeah. It's a bit... It's, it's weird because it's subtle, but it's also overtly sexual. Yeah. Because, you know, he's, he's playing... He's, he's stroking his eyebrows and his face with mm. his claws, like, being trying to be seductive. And then it's in, like, lines like, you got the body and I have the brains. Mm. Like, it's sort of like... We're a couple. We're a couple now. <laughs> you and I are going to be intertwined. <laughs> basement burning stuff you know it's just recycling (laughs) so he's living in nancy's house isn't he yeah or is it no No, he's living across the street that's it yeah but i thought that this is nancy's house isn't it that the the people have moved into oh yeah sorry that that kid in the previous scene was talking about the 
I think the Johnny Depp's character yeah. was killed in across the street. Yeah. yeah. So this is Nancy's house. This is now I remember now. Manly in real life than in his dream. In his dream, he was screaming like a girl. Like properly, like ah! It's, it's like do you remember the Simpsons when Ned Flanders screams? Yeah. It's pretty much that. Ah! <laughs> and, another, and another interesting factoid is that um, the makeup in this is actually done a little bit differently than it has been in other movies um, because it has been said. That, who designed the original for the makeup movie? Only had a few original, only had a few references from the original. So he redesigned the the mask all over again, hmm. studying the burn victims and making him look a little bit more skeletal. Which yeah. you notice, Freddy doesn't look like Freddy entirely from the first movie. He looks worse. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, worse. Yeah, I mean, I think he looked that his face looks quite frightening in this movie. Totally. Yeah. It looks really fucking frightening. Mm. And that's what's so cool about that. It looks worse in terms of, like, it looks more intimidating. And it's lit really well. So it's always, like, sort of, just you're getting it on highlight, you're getting the yeah. light, you're hitting it on highlights, but it's dead shadowed. Mm. Uh, so you never really see him in, like, bright lights. And that's well, perfect. Yeah. For something like that, that's what you needed, right? Mm. So he looks really, really scary. This is scary Freddy, by the way, because mm. our, by around the third ones, where it was no longer scary Freddy, it was more funny Funny Freddy. Yeah, because the third one, he's, like, coming out of a TV. He's, like, yeah. he's part TV. And, yeah, it's like, that is... Or a worm or yeah, something. Yeah, when he comes out of the TV, he's like, it's prime time, bitch! <laughs> um, you know, everything became a pun after that point. And that's because Freddy got really stupidly popular. Yeah. Like... I mean, that ended up being the Freddy that everyone loves, though, the funny Freddy. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like when you balance... The scary, like awesome stuff going on screen, but also the comedy kind of character, you know, mm. larger than life character. That's what became classic Freddy. But this is the thing, though, with classic Freddy, though, is that the reason why classic Freddy exists mm. is because kids were starting to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. And they were able to merchandise the fuck out of it. So they were able to get, like, Nightmare on Elm Street bags, Nightmare on Elm Street costumes, uh, you know, jumpers. Certain the, the Friday on Elm Street jumpers sold like hotcakes. Mm. So children, people who were not supposed to be watching these movies, were watching them. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, we might as well pander to them a bit. Which is why a lot of the movies after the third one were more like 15s or 12As at some point, rather than being like really gruesome. They mm. weren't 18 by that point. Because like, yeah, but we need to get some of the teenage money. No, I, th- I think a lot of the movies were still... Uh, like 18s uh, but it's when you got stuff like the TV show came about and they kind of really watered it down yeah 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 that's and, um, a, where, where, he, where, where he, like you said he was he almost became like a Crypt Keeper character didn't he yeah but like, it's like all the um, it's like the the, the, cost, the Halloween costumes and stuff there was loads of funny like very mm. sort of 
humorous looking uh, Freddy costumes that you used to be able to get, like really sort of smiley kind mm. of Freddy looking face and stuff like that. Yeah. Like mask. Yeah, 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 there's lots of stuff that is very appealing to like younger audience. Yeah, yeah and yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's more like it's not supposed to be. He's no. supposed to be a terrifying dream monster. Yeah. How is that appealing to your ten-year-old brother? It's no. weird. But I actually do like the scary Freddy as well. Mm. Uh, like from the first, like the first, first few movies. Two. Yeah. yeah, I think he, he, I like a darker Freddy, like in, in that respect, because it's just like. I mean, that's how he was originally intended. You know, mm. he's meant to be a scary character. Yeah, he's supposed to be, but then that dwindled down a bit. Mm. And this is what's interesting about this movie is that there is no funny here. It's all serious here. Mm. As pro- and this is what I kind of like and I miss about it. It's why I feel like there are far worse ones out there than the second one. Going back to it, uh, going back to the film, there's the bit where... Going after all that happened, he's having he's feeling a little bit anxious and unsure, right? So he goes back to school, talks about it to Lisa, and says, "Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do this thing, you know, right? Oh, we'll meet up later." And so Lisa, and so they, so when Jesse's about to go meet Lisa up later, the dad goes and says, "Oi, you haven't finished unpacking yet. Go upstairs. Go on, go upstairs." So he goes upstairs, and then he starts to do what seems to be. Probably the most random funny sequence in the whole movie. Well, we said when we were watching it, in, uh, I said that's my favourite scene. Where's going, Jess? Just out from the one. I told you I want that room unpacked. Dan, I'm just going out no. for hours. Upstairs. Right now, son. Right now. Come on, he's trying to get laid. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> This this is the scene coming up. Remember it? No, I think I'm... Well, wait till it kicks in. It's a, a dance scene. <laughs> it's the most 80s thing ever. How do you like that, man? Wow, those movements. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> this is what I do when I'm home alone, like 100%. <laughs> oh, what's with the butt? Oh, come on. Oh, my sweet Jesus. It's the moves. What? Oh. You're just playing with yourself, aren't you? <laughs> and the girlfriend walks in just as you were probably the most camp you've been so far. He had like something, in it, like what like, was that thing? Something phallic shaped, and he was kind of thrusting with it. <laughs> okay, if this was not, if that was not homoerotic subtext in some capacity, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I mean, I was just cleaning my room. I know. D- don't deny it. You had a you, you had a diva moment. It's fine. Everyone has one. <laughs> just, the thing that still gets me—he's trying to close a drawer with his butt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. Help. Oh god! I, I love a good '80s sort of dance scene, like in a movie. Like you got to like a really sort of 
like a crazy kind of pop song going on and just the, the, the character or multiple characters just dance to it. And, and in this movie, it's just this one guy, the main character, and he, he's just kind of really going for it when he's tidying up. He's oh. put the music on loud. Yeah. He's getting into the music. He's put some shades on. Oh, uh, and he started to get right into it. And <laughs> bit, though. <when> he, <laughs> that, that kills me. He closes the door. Uh, the, the, the drawer. The, the, dress, the drawer on his, like, dresser with his bum. <laughs> he, just, he just, like... <laughs> He just bum butts it a few times. And on top of that, he's like he's singing this proper eighties diva track. Yeah. Right? And he's it's like it was supposed to be like a lad lad. It would be like a proper like metal track or rocky, like be like Motley Crue, yeah. No, no. he is proper divering it out. Yeah, it's literally like singing girly songs into a hairbrush. Ex- not, I think he almost does at one point. Yeah. And then he goes up on the bed and clearly gets something phallic and clearly he's grinding against this thing. <laughs> Like, what the hell? Um, and then the mum and Lisa just appear. walk in, and she's like, oh, oh, "Oh no, no, I'm so sorry, I've got the, uh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed." But here's the thing, though. Interesting factoid about this scene: the dance scene was meant to be an homage to Risky Business. Right. All right. Sensing impending embarrassment, Mark Patton actually didn't want to do this scene, mm. forcing the production to repeatedly postpone the filming of that sequence. Um, in the documentary. Uh, Patton had to figure out his own choreography. He told the filmmakers to roll the camera and he gave it his best shot. But Patton later changed his story, telling the uh, telling telling them, said, there's nothing I do in that movie that wasn't already written in the script. <laughs> so in the Try script, so in the script, it actually says Jesse's bum. Jesse bumps his ass against the door three times and then gets on the bed and pretends to masturbate. It's all written in the script. I didn't make this shit up. <laughs> well, the scene haunted some people some people involved for years, apparently. Patton has enjoyed an extended popularity in gay clubs at the time and he is no longer finding it embarrassing. Well, good, to, good for him. <laughs> yeah, because that is my favourite scene. It is it's, so it's funny. It's so great to watch. It's really funny. And it doesn't feel. I don't feel embarrassed. I don't. I don't feel embarrassed for him. Like, fuck, I, I do it. <laughs> I, it just feels like it's just a great, funny scene, and he plays it well. And, it's and just I like. And on top of that, when you're home alone in the house, mm. right, and you've got a tune on that like, you know it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure tune playing. Yeah, it's just relatable. You do that. You it's do relatable. that. That's what I mean. It's like it's just showing showing off what you do in your room when you know when a song comes on sometimes you know? like like I, I'm I do the full risky business thing I slide <laughs> I do like the sock slide I sing into my hairbrush I do the whole thing and it's just because you know what it's a song you're really into and you're home alone in the house you want to you know when no one's watching of course you're going to pretend you're like the most amazing dancer on the planet <laughs> you know and you are you are Tina Turner damn it <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so this is where it leads on to Nancy, to Nancy's diary. And this is the only connection to the other movies where Nancy's diary is found randomly in a wardrobe. Yeah. And Lisa reads it. Lisa and Jesse read it. And it turns out that this happens to be learning a little bit about Freddy, Freddy Krueger and how it's all the case. But here's a weird thing. that This seems really contrived. It feels like it's the only way they want to keep... The thing together. Yeah. Because um, it's like... What was really, really confusing is that throughout the first movie, there was no sign that Nancy was the kind of girl who wrote a diary. 
Mm. Even though she is supposed to be like the sweet or innocent one, I don't think she wrote a diary. And even then, there's no evidence that she wrote a diary. No. And then why out of, Why would she bloody leave the diary on top of it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's... Um, whether it needs it or, like, whether that... I suppose it could play on the whole thing of, like, if, if it was just uh, the, the gay thing... Yeah. Then it, it would be, like we were saying when we were watching it, it's a way of him to kind of manifest that side of him... Yes. Uh, ..that he hates, like, at that particular time, that he doesn't want to confront... As Freddy. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's got this image now of reading that story of like uh, uh, the, from the diary of, like, Freddy, and he's like, what? Yeah, but then at the same time, it's like, because the director has no idea there's supposed to be a gay allegory, and half the people on set are fighting that opinion. So mm. I, I feel like half the people on, this, on the set clearly feel like it's a gay allegory, right? The other half of the people on the set are either denying it or following the director's rule. Mm. So this is why all some of the choices are constantly clashing and you're not sure where the movie wants to go. Cool. The claw is itching for you. Kill for me. <laughs> Does this man only got like two pajamas and that's it? And he always has it open chested. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like all the outfits are, are just quite, like, sort of suggestive, aren't they? And he's, like, he's just got jeans. See, and I remember this. See, that's legit creepy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot this is the skipping room. room. I'll uh, just... Uh, <laughs> I'll just uh, close the door. <laughs> like Wainsville, they've always wanted an open door where people are being trained like a James Bond movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, another thing as well that we've noticed and just a running joke, but it's true. People do not know how to do shirts in this movie, don't they? Like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what decision is that? Who's made that? I mean, the director would obviously would make that decision of, like, to have... A lot of every time you see someone in a shirt, a lot of the time or pajamas, it's open, bare chest, usually like a bit sweaty, a bit, a bit so sweaty and oiled up, oiled up, like. But if the director didn't see this gay allegory or some kind of homoeroticism to it, then clearly he just thinks that men walk around topless the entire time. Well, that is also it's it's, it's in between the it's like it can be a macho thing, thing as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it's like. I don't know. It's just like everyone had their chest out. Everybody. <laughs> like, and it's, oh, good grief. Um, now, in the whole thing, it's like, it's mentioned that the coach is into BDSM, mm. right? And he seems to hang out in what is considered the queer sex dungeon or whatever it is, right? So it is a point. At one point as well, it's like, so finally, while he's what seems to be sleepwalking, because I feel like this, again, we're not sure about this part, uh, he's sleepwalking, and he seems to go into the queer BDSM club, which I think is called Nim's Place. Yeah. And he goes in, not not entirely with it, but he has a sudden urge to go here. Mm. Now, again, if it is sort of like just a regular BDSM club and it's not actually supposed to have any queer undertones in it, then why the hell are the drag queens in it? Why the hell are there clearly leather daddies and, like, 
big papa bears and <laughs> all these kind of every single gay trope in here. Yeah. Uh, it's just too I mean, there obvious. Is, there is some people in that mixed in that kind of just look straight, like just mixed and thrown in there. But in general, there's more kind of yeah, gay it's, stereotypes. It's more of them. Like there are, I mean, diff- there's different kind of lesbians, different kind of gay men, different kind of drag queens are all here. Mm. Unless, and this is where I think maybe some of the director part is coming in. And we'll talk about it as we go. The director doesn't see this as a gay allegory, but sees homoeroticism as evil. Or mm. tempting, or unnatural, yeah. which could lead into that thing, but not in that sense. Because the scriptwriter is saying, like, it's perfectly fine. You look, know, it's like it's fine if you embrace that you're a gay man and not be so terrified of it. It won't consume you as much, right? Mm. You're consuming of the idea of coming out, not actually coming out, right? Yeah. The director's like, gays are weird, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're all creepy, and they wear leather, and they go to bars and they kiss each other. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, in my in my eyes, I want to talk about when we get towards the end. I'll talk about my feelings of of how it ends. But like, with thinking that in mind, it it's a it could mean that the ending is quite like uh, of a, a sad note, really. Yeah, but like we'll talk about that more Let's when we get go. there. But, but like, it's like again, there's, there's gonna be, this this whole queer theory is gonna come through this entirely because it's now been embraced as this thing, and this movie's got a cult following now because of this. Mm. Um. But the fact is, again, for no volition whatsoever, he goes into this gay bar, right? And he asks for a beer, which personally, look, if he's supposed to be under 18, mate. In fact, in, fact, he's, he's, has to be, in America's 21, he's clearly underage. And the guy just goes, here you go, bud. And he, the bartender looks as if he knows he's underage, but he gives it him anyway. He's like, well, fuck it. I, I think it's more like, well, it's, it's, I think it's more, well, your chest is open. <laughs> You're looking quite cute. Here you go. Yeah. Have a beer on me. The way he gives him the glass. <laughs> he just flicks it at him. It's also like, here you go, champ. Look at also you and your PJs. Though, also, though, if you notice, like, in movies, mm. no one ever seems to buy a drink. No, yeah, no one exchanges money. I mean, does, would, you, would you, like, give someone a drink who's clearly just showed up in their pyjamas? They're probably not going to have any money on them. Like, Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's like, say, you're clearly not here, you're not with it, you must be asleep. But your chest is open and you're in a gay bar. Here, have a beer! It's, it's, that's literally my only fathom to this. Yeah. It's really... F- and then, but this, is just as he's about to... He's pouring the beer and he's just about to have a drink. And then Leather Daddy Coach comes in. So Fancy seeing you here. Hello. But the thing is, right, and this is what's interesting. If the coach is supposed to be like this closet, it's like a sort of semi-closet homosexual kind of thing. I don't know whether he is maybe closeted. Closeted. I'm not sure. Even if he is, or at least he doesn't like expose it often, right? Maybe not closeted, but maybe people know, but they don't talk about it. I think just in his private life, he's just fully open with that. I think that might be the case. He's fully open in it, but he doesn't, you know, in school and other things, it's like people know about it, but they don't talk about it. That kind of thing, right? Right. By the way, is it just in his pajamas? Open pajamas. Open chest pajamas from the rain, surrounded by leather daddies, sexy ladies, and some drag queens. I'm going with that. He's underage.
It's probably going like, it's a new sex thing. You just go in your PJs everywhere you go. Oh, hi, coach. Awkward. And you're just running laps? Personally, if you, call your, if you went down there and got call for... I don't think laps is the only thing that would have occurred. Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's be a bit weird and predatory, but the idea is, like, he goes and sees one of his students, and his first reaction to this is not, like, to, like, take him home, go to the police, maybe even try and flirt with him. No, it's like, no, you're going back to the gym, we're going back to the high school and run laps. But isn't this similar to, like, before, like, with the whole... Pulling your pigtails type thing. He's like, he, he might sort of like actually like him as well, if you know what I'm Maybe, might like maybe, him. but it's kind of like, it's kind of that kind of bullying. Like. Yeah, I guess so, but here it's not, I think this is more just like, there's far more worse things you could have done. Yeah. Like, could be a bit more exposure. Maybe so, or maybe, maybe he's done this because maybe he doesn't want to out him, maybe. Because mm. if he does go, like, guess where I found him? I found him in Nim's place, you know, where I hang out. Maybe it's like a weird way of covering the both their butts, I guess. Yeah. But it's... <laughs> Bad phrasing! <laughs> Bad phrasing. But um, it just feels like, oh, not only are you underage in a gay bar, you've caught me in my leather vest in this gay bar. Yeah. Oh, we're going to run laps. Mm. It doesn't. The punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime much. Yeah, because I see what you mean, because it's like, oh, I don't want the school to know about this kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, you, you better... like, And then he punishes, punishes him because of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like saying... It is weird to go back to school. It feels like they should run some laps. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you like to see him running laps, I have no idea. Yeah, uh, well, he does seem to get a kick out of it, like just watching him run and stuff. And then this is where we get the first really cool Freddy death, right? Well, well cool. Cool as in weird and kinky. Because... Um, Jesse's now having a very, very long shower. Mm. Like, it is a long shower, because obviously he's just been embarrassed and whatever. It's, like, weird, right? Um, he, but then the coach is now being... He's, he's, like, he's in, he's in his office, still in the leather outfit. Like, he's, like, he hasn't got a change of clothes. He's still in his leather daddy outfit. Now. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> he's still in his leather daddy outfit with, like, his tight leather pants and everything else. It's great. Um, and he's got like he's, he's like got a vest on it's got some kind of like metallic thing on the front and then he's got a, a, like a big yeah it's leather, got like, it's like, got like a leather guard and everything like else. gauntlet type thing on uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm convinced the vest has got like a sexy zip or something for something inappropriate yeah. whatever it is oh my god he's been hit with balls more balls than he can handle. <laughs> All the balls into his face. <laughs> I still love the fact he's still wearing like the the, the leather vest throughout the entire thing. Oh my god! Too many balls. It's too much. This is not height. This is not tennis. <laughs> I don't get as well. It's like so. Okay, so he's in the shower. So all this is Freddy now. This has to be. Yeah, but I suppose as it's like uh, he actually is supposedly Jesse, but he doesn't think that it's him. <laughs> Death by towel whip. Get those buns sore.
By this point, he's then found by the police walking naked in the middle of the road for no goddamn reason. Again, sleepwalking. So now the parents think he's like... The parents think he's either sleepwalking or the or on drugs. Whatever it is, right? So this now helps the parents sort of explain what the odd behaviour, right? You're either sleepwalking and you're being weird or you're on drugs and you're being weird. Or you're crazy and you're being weird. It's the only explanation. It's the only explanation. There's, no, uh, there's nothing else. You're just either on drugs, sleepwalking or crazy. Um, so we get loads of little sequences in between that's sort of building up the relationship now between Jesse and the girlfriend. Yeah. Now, the thing is, again, being sort of a gay allegory kind of idea, this makes a bit more sense when you look back at the relationship because it doesn't feel like a romantic relationship, really, until they're later hanging, on in the movie. hanging out and, he, and it's like he's... They're not even hugging or cuddling no, or whatever. It's like he's with her because... In he's like he's supposed to do that. He's supposed it's, to. Do it's it. heteronormative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like society would tell him, "Oh, I'm supposed to find a girlfriend now, and like yeah. I'll hang out with this girl because she's nice." But they act a little bit like you know a gay friend and a good friend. You know, it's yeah. like gay friend and a girlfriend kind of thing. You know, it feels mm. like that, but not like oh, we're gonna do each other's nails or something really campy like that. It's nothing no. like that. It feels like an actual friendship here, yeah. like a really not a really solid friendship because yeah. the romance factor doesn't come in until. Near the third act, mm. where there's actual sense of romance. Yeah. But then I think this is where the director really kicks in. Mm. Um, and this is where the director's putting in, it's like, no, 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 they have to be together. They've got to be together. Mm. And here's an interesting factoid as well. Jesse is the only... Jesse is the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie where the leads are male. Mm. Everyone else is a female. Yeah. Which... Again, adds to the whole "I am the only male scream queen" kind of scenario. Um, well, he's got the def- definitely got the scream. Scream down. His scream's really impressive. Like it beats a couple of the ladies out there. Yeah, it's like a classic, like Hammer Horror, like yes, like uh, female lead scream, isn't it? Oh. So she, and this is where I feel like the theory that she's the hero of the piece. If the film was done the other way around and was from her perspective instead of his perspective. Mm would have played that she's the hero because she's doing all the research. She is the one doing, really trying to help Jesse out. Yeah. And almost feels like it's helping him come out. Yeah. Like, says, like, well, it's fine, come out. It's, like, like aiding him. It's like, you know, it's like look, we'll just look into this. What you're doing, what you're thinking is sort of this manifestation or whatever it is. You have to, whatever it is, we need to find out more about what this fear is. Yeah. So in this case, it's the fear of Fred, Freddy Krueger, right? Mm. But it's clearly also an allegory of what are you scared of if you confronted this? Yeah. And again, the gay allegory idea of coming out just coming out for some gay people are, is really, really hard. And it's because they might know about the family's traditions, philosophies, morals, whatever. They're worried about the backlash. There's a lot, there's a lot running behind that. Right, so there's a genuine fear, and that's what Freddy Krueger's playing with Jesse is yeah. this horrible fear, right? But it's all underpinned the idea. No, he's not scared about coming out. He's scared of Freddy Krueger. The Lisa character, it's it's played quite one note, which is unfortunate. That's why I said like I don't really have much of an uh, opinion about it. She's very toned. There's no it, real emotion with her. No, mostly. it's like it, it's a good character, mm. but it's not performed particularly brilliantly. So like it's. You can't really sort of root for her. Yeah, and on t- yeah, you can't root for her because she's basically a blank slate for yeah. for the first two thirds of the movie, mm. right? Because we're following Jesse. Yeah. Jesse has the complex situation. Mm. Um, eventually, it gets eventually to go to like the original where Freddy's Freddy Krueger's sort of like 
factory is. Yeah. And they go and confront that. And I love this bit. It's like, what's in the... You open up the random shack. I like the... What do you mean, Freddy Krueger's factory? No, well, 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 the factory. Is that the place supposedly where he was he worked. burned or something? He, he, like, where, they burned him or something? Yeah, where, where, where it was sort of like where he worked, yeah. and also where he got burned later. So it's basically he he worked in the boy he worked in the boiler room in there. Yeah, and that's where he lured the children in to kill them. Yeah, and it was isn't it's Lisa that knows that. Lisa yeah. knows that. Lisa she did, found that out. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Lisa yeah. did the research. Lisa's finding out who the fuck Fred Krueger is, mm. and Jesse's like, oh no. Uh, I'm having bad dreams and I'm killing people. And he's not doing anything proactive other than moan like a bitch. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> so she goes over to the thing and they go over together in the thing and they look at the round and try and figure out what more about Fred from here. And they open up a shack or like a random like fucking door. And is so much build up to opening that locker. <laughs> he just keeps coming back to them, back to the locker, back to them. He's like, Ted with his tents. But it goes on for ages. And then it opens and. It's a rat. <laughs> and the rat's like, fucking hell, mate. I've been in here for like two years. And then they just lock him in again. <laughs> like, come on. I love how, love how her reaction is like, oh, no. It's like, that's the scariest. That's the thing that's going to scare you, mate. Wow. And, and Jesse's like, what the fuck? <laughs> just standing there, whatever, nonchalantly. Most of the movie, now, most of the movie is just basically this, is him having nightmares, him either sleepwalking or teasing or other things like that throughout the majority of the movie, and him going slowly but surely crazy. Mm. It's a bit where he has a bit of a, it has a bit of a tiff with Grady, and it's like a really sassy moment in, like, in the, uh, in the cafeteria. It's like, I don't need your support, Grady! Mind you, Grady is being really annoying in that scene because he's yeah. talking while he's eating constantly. Hey, Ronnie. So you're going to leave this house tomorrow night? Nope. I'm grounded. How come? I think my grandmother was down a flight of stairs. I wish she would talk to me. You know, we can figure it out. We can figure it out together. There is nothing to figure out. I don't want to waste this time with guys and basketball. Shut up, Grady. Ooh! Want to start up? Fine, I'll start up. No problem. No. No. I just wanted him to talk and eat at separate times. <laughs> I had no idea what he said. I think he said, I, I can't because I threw my mother down a flight of stairs. That's what it sounded like. That's terrible. <laughs> then all this sort of build up is going crazy and everything else is building up up to the point, which is now the third act, which is the pool party. Mm. Okay. And a pool party's fun. Yeah. Uh, the whole bit in the pool party, I actually find quite hilarious. Um, I love the, I love the, 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 the contrast of, the parents at the, attending the pool party. Oh, well when you got the music like The Shining, uh, like the sort of the really old-fashioned like 1930s kind of music. Dude, right? it's like now that's how you party, right? Look at this old-fashioned swing, and look at me cook some 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 weedies. So, yeah, so it's really sort of like it's trying to be as sophisticated as they can. The parents are trying to keep it all in control, mm. and then the parents go, "Oh, we're just we're just going upstairs now." Yeah. Um, and then, and, 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 terrible parenting. Yeah. Can I say this, right? Okay, they are... In a, okay, they have a pool party with at least 30 or 40 teenagers, right? There's like 30 or 40 teenagers, right? What did they expect was going to happen? That, what did they expect was going to happen? Two, right? It's like, get everything wrapped up before midnight, dear. Like 12.30, latest, right? And they're clearly looking like they're going to get some drink on, get a little, little action. You know, they're going to get their own thing going because, you know... No one else is getting laid in this godforsaken movie. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrible. And so they go off. 
leaving 35 teenagers, randy teenagers, with, with their own devices. And, they go, and I love it because some of the teenagers are like waiting outside the window. They're waiting outside the window. They're waiting over there, waiting for the parents to go into the bedroom <laughs> and to switch off the lights. The thing is, they don't hang around. Like, bullets have left guns slower. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like they wouldn't even be asleep or sort of distracted enough yet yeah. for them to go full on, put the music on loud, start getting the beers out. <laughs> Stuff. It's like. Oh, God, I love it. I love it. But literally, like, the light goes off. Yeah, music changed. Everything's on party mode. People are stripping clothes and jumping on each other. Beer. And you're thinking, Jesus Christ. Like, you're not even trying. It's incredible. At this time, then, um, uh, Jesse's there. And Jesse is hiding in what looks like the pool house kind of yeah. thing, right? And he's not. And he's not feeling comfortable. He's not happy because he had. To, he's had to try and stay awake. This entire time, because he because ne- he had like a near, a near episode where he nearly killed his sister. Remember that mm. bit? And uh, he's on stay up. Yeah. <laughs> the the only brand of proper like you know energy pills, and also combined with the caffeine of Coca Cola as well. Eighties like washing it down. Eighties Coca Cola as well, which must also have caffeine and f- so much fucking sugar. Probably cocaine. <laughs> He's keeping it so he's been he's not slept in days. He's going crazy. He's starting to get like antsy and really like right? And so he's at the pool party, he goes to the pool house, like I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going crazy. I don't want to be here. I'm ruining the party. I need to figure this out. And Lisa is already trying to Lisa's going. And what they do is, and this is where this is where I start thinking. Again, the director had a little bit of say in this now because mm. his reaction is to go with Lisa and to sort of get intimate, right? Yeah. Now, but at the same time, they, it he, wasn't like it wasn't like sexually like prying, wasn't it? It was like no, sensitive. But it's, again, it's like the character. If the character still ha- was battling coming out, that would be a thing to do at a party. Like, oh, yeah. I'll go and make out with my girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Everyone expects me now to make out with her. And on top like, of that, it's not like I'm just. But the thing is also, it wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna ram you. Almost, mm. it's basically like I'm gonna do it very centrally. I'm gonna yeah. do it because it's like. Because they don't really kiss. They sort of kiss a bit. And then they sort of like... And she, he goes for the hand and kisses her hand. And yeah. goes really soft and it's sensual. So it's like baby steps for him. This is baby steps. Like, okay, start slowly. And then the music starts arriving up and everything. And then she, then and then and then they're getting it on. Right? They go, yeah. they're about to get it on. You know, he's playing with the boobs. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's going for the boobs. He's starting licking between. He's going for right to the belly button. And then he grows a horrendous mutated Gene Simmons-like tongue. Yeah. That comes out of fucking nowhere. But then that could still be the whole, like, oh, this is... I'm disgusted with myself that I'm doing this. Yes, I'm gross. This is not what I'm interested in, right? And so this big sort of Freddy Krueger's clearly playing with his mind, playing this horrendously nasty tongue, Mm. making him feel like, oh, you're dirty, aren't you? You're about to go down. We know what's down there. Do you know what's down there? I don't think you do. (laughs) (laughs) And so this literally puts him off doing anything else, and he runs. And so Lisa's now left almost because she's getting into it. Yeah, right? definitely. She's getting into it and left frustrated that her boyfriend has just left him midway. Yeah. <laughs> not even going not even going to second base, like, properly. Like, mm. just fondling boobs and nicking a belly button doesn't count, I think. And so he's, she can see she's frustrated going, fuck, almost. Like, damn it. <laughs> Honestly. And then what's the first thing that Jesse does? 
he just ends up in Grady Adventure. <laughs> Go for the neck. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> oh, that is... That's Gene Simmons' level of tug them right there. I just had a gross ass tongue stick out. Yeah, but it's like, it's always a metaphor for it's like. It's a metaphor yeah. for something. See, like, how is it. She's getting frustrated because she was so getting into it. Yeah. Like, there's a thing now. This has to be. Oh. Oh, hello. Go straight to him. Because I, I secretly love you. Still, shirt open. People don't know how to close their shirts. I need you to let me stay here tonight. Are you out of your mind? I think you are seriously losing it, bro. Mm -hmm. I'm scared, Grady. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, and well. <laughs> and you want to sleep with me. Look, I don't care if you believe me or not. Hey, I believe you. You've had some scary dreams, okay? But the first shot is Grady in his bedroom and then Jesse literally jumping on top of him. Yeah, it's like he's literally gone from <laughs> like like one sort of bed to the other, if you know what I mean. Not that so, he was in bed beforehand, but it's like he literally no, like just lands on Grady. Like, yeah, just away. properly lands on Grady, covers his mouth as if it's like, shh, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being a bit naughty. But the, the thing is, well, I say, oh, I need... I, it goes to Grady... And this is, and literally, to my knowledge, the way the speech is written sounds like him trying to come out to him. Yeah, definitely. And trying to say that I have feelings for you, mm. but I don't know how to embrace this because I'm so confused. Yeah. Because he's going through this mental breakdown of not of the consequences of coming out. Right. Mm. Again, as a clear gay allegory, this movie's really fucking good as a gay allegory, yeah. but it doesn't go hundred percent with it. And it's really annoying that he's coming out this way. And the Grady character <laughs> is like, is sort of like accepting of that in a way. He's, he's like, being sympathetic. It, yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not like oh, I'm oh, I totally want to be with you. But no. it's more like, I get it. You're scared. You're feeling something. You don't know what it is. It's fine. I'm here to listen. Yeah, right? I mean, he lets him stay there. Doesn't he? he lets yeah. him stay there and watch him sleep. Mm. And. And and again and and the thing is again is like there's a level of like homoeroticism between the two because they're basically both topless and they're like being cuddly or whatever it is at one point but, you know like there's a level there but it's clearly about him trying to come out to him to confess his his feelings for him yeah right his sort of bromancy feelings for him and so when Jesse falls asleep and then literally what seems like the exact moment that Grady's about to fall asleep Jesse wakes up. And says, so like, oh, God, it's happening again. Uh, uh, the urges. The urges. Uh, the, the sexy urges. That's what it feels like. It's like, it's, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like when you get an accidental erection. I think that's what it is with him. It's like sitting there going, oh, no, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, like when you're on the bus and the vibrations. <laughs> yes. On the school bus, the Freddy school bus. Looks <laughs> like he's got. Rubbishy. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's just satin or what. I can't tell. 
She looks really painful. <gasps> oh my god, this is Freddy's coming out party! <laughs> of course! Well, Freddy is supposed to act on your biggest fears. So, to, like... to him legitimately coming out of a shell. Yeah. metaphor for coming out ever I've <laughs> ever seen I've literally just come out of my own shell no don't kill granny we like him and he's cute <laughs> and then again the whole sort of thing is like Freddy literally comes out of him but that, that's, that's what's so great, because that scene, like you said, is obviously, to, to us, it seems like it's about coming out, and then he does actually come out. He comes <laughs> out, and it's like, it, it's the embodiment of fear, of being, yeah. like, the be, being, like, hated and, like, discriminated against and to be, like, left because of his homosexual urges. Yeah. And it's, it happens to be embodied by Freddy Krueger. And it's awesome how it's do, because, first of all, he, the fingers turn into like the, the claws and it's really that's painful looks awesome like it's like ah, and then, that's another cool rendition of the claw that you don't uh, yeah i don't know if it's been in any other movies no i don't think so uh, where it's actually it's not the glove it's like the, the, the claws are coming it's out the hand fingers. it's like yeah. the hand mm. and so it comes so that happens and then slashes are are literally happening all over his arms and his body and freddy literally comes out it's his Freddy Krueger's coming out party, and he's gone fully by breaking out of his sh- breaking out of Jesse's shell. Yeah, and it's a great looking sequence. It's he, awesome. He just stretches out of his chest and just ends up bursting out like alien. <laughs> I know it's so gross. One of my favorite bits in it is when when Jesse has his mouth open, you see an eyeball at the back of his mouth. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> and so. It just like he rips it out of him, and so literally the fear of coming out of your shell or to come out literally that is the full embodiment of that movie. Mm. And then so Freddy goes in, kills Grady, mm. like in a really nasty manner as well. Like he grabs him and just stabs him and drakes him down, and it's gross. And yeah, now and the parents are on the other side of the door trying to get in the door, and they're like getting upset because they can't get in. And, and they're like, seeing the blood for the door. It's, it's a, you know it's a tragic scene. So you see Jesse with the claw covered in blood, shouting at the mirror saying, you killed him, you son of a bitch! Which, again, he would be fucking distraught because he's probably killed his first sort of man crush mm. like, ever. 
and he was about to literally come out to him and maybe maybe not make something work, but feel finally at ease. Mm. And Freddy fucking kills him because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, Freddy, to that point, Freddy comes back again uh, because because uh, Lisa reads the diary some more and says, like, Freddy was killed before. We can kill him again. You have to fight it. Fight the urge. Fight Freddy. Fight him. Yeah. And then he doesn't. He caves in and becomes Freddy Krueger. And then, again, the whole thing we're saying is like, is she seeing Freddy? But we have to think because the way she's reacting, she's seeing Freddy. Mm. Because otherwise she wouldn't react the same, same way, right? And then Freddy fights off, fights Lisa for a bit. Lisa, Li- <laughs> I, love, I love when you were here... <laughs> Je- uh, Jesse's voice. I love Freddy. you. I love you, Lisa. It's like, <laughs> kill me, Lisa. <laughs> it, was it makes you think of like Freddie's like actual voice is like that, and he's like when when it, then the cameras aren't on, he's like kind of going, okay, I'm just gonna talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> so like, oh, lovely. Ah, uh, so <laughs> great. Thank you. But when the cameras aren't, I'm like, like I'm being a scary. Oh, it's lovely. Thank you. Did you get a cup of tea? Oh, thanks. Thanks. I needed to soothe my voice. You know how hard it is to do that? My goodness. Um, kill me, Jesse. Kill, kill me. me. No, like, kill, kill me, Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> kill me, please. All right. And then, so that somehow, uh, Jesse's fighting back a little, which is good. The Freddy just runs out a window, mm. breaks the window, disappears. For no reason. Like, why the collateral damage, right? And then appears at the pool. Yeah. And this is where it goes fucking bonkers. Mm. You kill so many people in this pool. The pool starts boiling. Um, right? The weenies pop. The weenies pop. Like, this, everything's about to catch fire. It's getting properly burning, right? And he starts slashing people left, right, and center. Everything's going fucking apeshit. He kills nearly half the people, throwing them into the pool. Everything. And then, you know, he's... he's this is, again, the idea is, what are these guys seeing? Mm. Are they seeing Freddy Krueger? Or are they seeing Jesse playing Freddy Krueger? See, I don't think they're supposed to see see Freddy. I think... Because... And in, in like a lot of the dialogue would support that because it's like you've got a character saying, you know, what 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 are you what are you doing, man? Like, it's okay, it, it, calm, calm down. down. Like, yeah, and I say if it was Jesse, this makes sense. Yeah. Seeing a half crazy burn victim who looks terrifying like Freddy Krueger, that's the last thing you tell him to calm the fuck you'd down. Just be running the opposite direction. direction. <laughs> I know. But this is the thing, because the movie doesn't like do this interesting intercut. Mm. Like maybe you see, maybe you see like Jesse at one point just acting in the same pose as Freddie is, or whatever. Or Freddie's doing more mannerisms like Jesse. Yeah, like there's none of that in between. No, it's like the um, it's like the the director has said, no, we've got to go full force on Freddie now and yeah. do you know what Freddie does and just like have everyone scared of Freddie and have him kill those people. Yeah. But I think the script would have been more like they're seeing Jesse and mm. even though the visual would be Freddy, yes. it would be obvious to the audience that it's, you know, Jesse. Yeah. Like, and that's yeah. the thing, it just needs a little bit more push. Mm. Like either Freddy Krueger starts acting more like Jesse, yeah. which would have been more interesting, mm. or you had moments where Jesse is acting like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And then you we would have understood what the perspective is supposed to be. Mm. And this is where the whole muddling of the gay allegory or the fears or anything else is coming, it gets into play. It's a shame, really, because 
it sounds to me like the script was, is great, and mm. it could have with the right director, it could have been fantastic. Like, yeah. It was played like how it's supposed to be. Like, mm. who's getting hot in the pool? You have a cook in the weenies! <laughs> no! Popping. Do weenies pop? Uh oh. Oh no, the beer! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> That's like a jack in a box. Red in the box. Yeah! Nice. <laughs> oh my god, it's teenager soup! <laughs> the dad has got unbuttoned pajamas as well, isn't it? No what one is buttoned. it with the 80s? <laughs> Where's the flipping shirts right? I mean, either like not wear the top or just like button it up. But... Put a t-shirt underneath, man. We don't need to see oil chest. Gone, Dad. Got it down. Oh, come on, better aim. Is it? <laughs> Freddy's now full force, right? So he literally disappears by walking into a hedge. Yeah, <laughs> the burning bush. This literally catches fire as he walks, as if he's, he's just found a gateway to hell, <laughs> right? And then, and then so um, Lisa, the only one who knows that Freddy is Jesse and Jesse is Freddy, gets in the car, goes back to the, the original like factory kind of thing and goes to try and face off freddy mm. and there's two bits before he fought, she fights off freddy which i think are the most ridiculously random things in the whole movie so she walks into it and sees these two dogs with weird ass human faces They're like baby faces on dogs yes it's, it's really creepy but it doesn't make any sense it's like that that could be another director thing. Just, yeah. Let's just add these monsters in there because they look cool. Just be fucking weird, right? And it's just literally there. They're not even, like, attacking. They're just going... No, they're like guardians or something. But they, it, we're saying the guardians are not doing a good job because they let a ghost... Walk, not only let it go through. It's like she. it's never brought up again. No. Right? And then, right, she's going up the stairs. And then the rat shows up. The rat just... But it's really fucking weird. It's like, clearly they had to build puppets for this. So this is what I mean. Because... And then the rat goes, Wah! and you see the full garb of the teeth. And then a fucking cat comes out of nowhere. And the cat's monstrous as well. And the cat, yeah, the cat eats the rat and just goes, Wah! and you're like, what the fuck's happening here? Well, the, the puppet animation reminds me of like trapdoors. Remember that animation trapdoor? Yes! Like, like pasta scene type, like scary monsters. I fucking love trapdoor. <laughs> So Lisa finally finds Freddy Krueger. In this case, it's like full Freddy Krueger because it's like, Jesse is dead. Jesse's not real. I'm here now. Mm. And 
the sort of the thing, and here's one of the things of the backlash from some of the reviews, okay, is that um, is the biggest plot hole of the movie, they said, is if Freddy can kill people in their dreams, why would he need to possess a human being to kill people if he can just kill them in their dreams? Yeah, exactly. So It's almost like they're trying to hint at the fact that because he's he's been... Def- he was kind of like... He was defeated in the first movie. It's almost like he hasn't gained full power yet, so he has to possess Jesse mm. to, to be kind of reborn again. And then to, he, to would, ignite fear, then he I would guess. have, like, all his powers back. But it doesn't... That's just me assuming. That's the thing, because like, the yeah. movie doesn't say a, a peep about it. Yeah. Not only that, like, it's... If if it was because I know in later mythos it says he's he's fueled by the fear of children, right? Mm. So he's fueled by it. And after five years after the original incident, he needs to reignite fear again. And maybe that's the case. Yeah. But, so because I mean, by that point, Jesse's like completely afraid, isn't he? So he can like no. But here's the thing. But no one's afraid. But no one's being afraid of Freddy Krueger. They're afraid of Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't work. No. Ugh, ugh, fucking plot hole. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Oh no. Imagine kissing Freddy. Christ. That, I don't, he never looked like a good kisser anyway. Here's Jesse. Look, uh, uh. That's the world's worst face mask. <laughs> now that's a beauty regime I don't want to have. <laughs> it's a bit smoky, but look how youthful I am. It's like I've shared a whole. Like I'm a whole different person. The uh, dead child killer face pack. <laughs> Guaranteed to get rid of all your evil inside you. <laughs> this is where people can start having a weird sort of bizarre twist on the ending. Because mm. I have a bit of an interesting idea on the ending. So, um, Freddy is saying, like, no, I've taken over now. I'm the thing. Rah, 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 right? And Lisa's saying, no, I love you. I love you. You and me are going to be together. Freddy, you're not going to have this anymore. You and I, we're, going to, we're in love. And yeah. that's the thing. And that, to me, is quite... Because it, uh, going with the whole the gay thing, it's like, it's, he's, it's like he's suppressing it again. And he's like, uh, no, uh, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll try and be in love yeah. with Lisa. And I'll try that. And, and it ends on that note. Like, yeah, because, the idea, cause I, well, because by this point, Lisa somehow seduces Freddy <laughs> so they can kiss... And the kiss is so powerful that is left Freddy like wasted, and wait, and then then he catches fire and burns to a crisp. Yeah, and then Jesse comes out of the ashes of Freddy, mm. like pulls off his head. He's literally like in a Fred suit, yeah, <laughs> and disintegrates. And then they get intimate again. Now here's the thing, right? But that's the thing is they don't kiss at that point; they just hug. Mm. But then the point that says like. Oh, you've gone back to heteronormative, and you mm. thought like the idea that being gay is a bad thing. Is when they're at the bus and they're in the bus, they kiss and mm. they act like a couple, yeah, not like friends. And it's that's why that's what I'm saying. It's like it adds on a for me and ends on a sad note because I think the movie should have been 
uh, all in his head all, all along. Along, so Freddie doesn't actually come back. Yeah, it's like it's just it's it's uh, Jesse's idea of Freddie has got mm. into his head, and he is the killer. Mm. And then it's kind of like, but then obviously. The, it's annoying because I, it's like it's not Freddy being <clears throat> killing people in the dreams. So that's not classic it's, 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 and exactly. So um, let's 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 start wrapping this up a bit. So overall, what do you think of the movie, and how and how what do you think about the feedback in terms of is this the worst Freddy Krueger movie in the franchise? Definitely not the worst. Um, I would argue that something like. Uh, Freddy's Dead. That's a prob- piece of shit. That's sixth one, isn't it? Yeah, the one that's like it was in 3D and stuff like. Yeah, it's got like three, a weird sort of music video section where it's kind of like 3D. That's like, got that element like in there. Ten minutes of 3D. And, that's uh, it. That I would argue that's probably one of the worst. Mm. Um, and I definitely uh, still I, I do quite like this movie, even though yeah. it's got the problems of like the, the conflict between the director and the and the screenwriter. Yeah. I still enjoy it, you know. And that's the thing is, looking back at this, mm. I think this is more like, this was not a terrible movie. In fact, I argue that it's actually really, really good. I think it's a, definitely a cult classic, and I mm. think this is a reason why, I can totally understand why the LGBT community have embraced this movie 100%. The problem, I find, is that it's a frustrating one. Yeah. Because you can see that it's in the hands of a different director, someone who did, was not oblivious to the homoeroticism in this, mm. Would have and would have played this a hundred percent. The movie could have been a fantastic, like coming out movie. Mm. Yeah, because you don't normally get that kind of storyline in a horror, do you? At all. In no. fact, it's very rare. Would you consider like gay horrors, if that mm. makes any sense? Yeah. And this is a this would have been a mainstream gay horror, mm. and it's and I think that's why it's like we. So see was it, it now. too ahead of its time in that respect? I think so. I actually think this is a fantastic film. I mm. really like the movie. I yeah. think, yes, it has its problems, and we did joke. Mm. Because that scream is amazing. But... But <laughs> <laughs> the butt on the draw. But the butt on the draw is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, is not the worst in the franchise. Definitely. Um, and it's actually got a lot to talk about, so... And we'd definitely recommend it, wouldn't we, to, like... This is the first one we... Uh, out of all the movies, this is the first one I actually say, just watch it. Like, it's yeah. a good movie. Not like the other three, where you're going to have to... You might need some beers for it. This one isn't too bad. And I think it, it can be enjoyed sober. Shock, yeah. I know. And go into it knowing... You know, knowing about that. Because if you just watch it without that's knowing about anything about the subtext... Yeah. It's kind of probably just... A bit... But if you yeah. watch it with the subtext in mind, you realise, actually, this could, this could have been really good. Mm. So... On that note, we will plan a little bit something for next time round. Now, I'm thinking sometime next time round, we finally should get some kind of kung fu action into the mix. So we'll watch that for next time round. But in the meantime, keep an eye on your trash. Uh, There might be some treasure in there. See you next time. See you guys. has been an enigmatic production. It's hosted by Johan Paul and music by Edward Harvey. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Buzzsprout. Share it, like it, write a review. For more information on our other projects, check out our website, www.enigmaticproductions.co.uk. 